Each and every week we gather to bask in its glow. Information, picture, and sound beamed through the night skies. Destination, our living rooms. As the screen sparks to life, the outside world dims, transporting us for 60 minutes into parallel dimensions. This is the modern campfire, where legends are born and sagas unfold. Where some find only entertainment, we find religion. And now you've found us. And so we invite you too to join us as part of the Cult of the Cathode Ray. And welcome back. We are the Cult of the Cathode Ray. And we are once again planted in front of the television. And tonight we're watching more Walking Dead. That's right. It's more coverage of the first season of The Walking Dead. And tonight we are watching episode three, Tell It to the Frogs. Well, first, let's talk about some quick episode stats on this one. This episode first aired on November 14th, 2010 to an audience of about 5 million viewers. This one was directed by Gwyneth Porter Payton. Actually, this is the first one that doesn't just have a single writer, I think. So we have a story by credit from Charles H. Egley and Jack Le, 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 Le Well, so I will Renee, tell you, I will, I will help you here because I believe this is the same spelling. Again, as I mentioned before, there's no one that could hate me more than I hate myself. There is a character on the Real Housewives of New Jersey, um, and her name is Teresa Giudice. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. So, but then what, they also Giudice then. Judice, I think, is yeah. the Italian uh, pronunciation. Okay. However, they were always called Judice, and they, because that was like the Americanized, uh, I guess, pronunciation. <laughs> but then they decided to be fancy and change it to Judice. So okay. it could be one or the other. So Jack, Jack Lodigice will go with that. And yeah, the like teleplay it. was by both those guys and Frank Darabont. Well, before we get started, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Zachary Edgerton. And uh, Renee, who are you? And more importantly, how are you? Uh, my name is Renee Snowbin, and I'm fine. Thanks. How are you? Great. Uh, you know, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Things are, you know, never a dull moment, uh, except it's actually always a dull moment in, uh, <laughs> you know, this timeline because, you know, sitting at home doing podcasts because there's nothing else to do. But man, we've got a good one for these folks tonight. Uh, we're going to tell it to the frogs with this episode. So <laughs> the, I just wanted to mention at the top here, I, I did mention the uh the fact that there are a couple of new writers on this episode and the one that i wanted to kind of single out because we always like to talk about people's former credits so yeah. uh charles h egley uh had kind of an interesting i guess career i think he's written a lot of television like recently in his kind of current career but yeah. uh, i did notice it was kind of interesting that his first writing credit was <laughs> as co-writer on piranha 2 the spawning and he was also assistant director on Piranha. Oh so, my God, that was his first yeah. credit. Oh, I believe that. I believe that was his first 100%. writing credit. Wow, yeah. that's Which, fantastic. Uh, I thought was I thought was pretty pretty interesting. Now that's the yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, you know, classic films. If if uh, you haven't seen those, if anyone if anyone listening has not seen the uh, Piranha duology, as they call it, um, you should you should de definitely go check it out. Now, uh, also a another kind of random piece of trivia here. Uh, if if you don't know, Piranha Two: The Spawning, the first film by uh, someone who would actually go on to uh, direct a uh, a lot of uh, much much uh, 
I don't know if high, well, most of them were, were higher brow, but uh, it was James Cameron's directorial debut. So I thought it was kind of interesting that the uh, oh. John Eggley also wrote or co-wrote uh, 2019's Terminator Dark Fate, which was the film that James Cameron famously kind of came back to after, you know, he did Terminator 1 or he did the Terminator, Terminator 2. And then he kind of the, uh, you know, the, the series continued without him. And that was the the movie that kind of the the sequel that kind of brought him back. So I was reading that and I was like, huh, I wonder if he like, rem- I, I wonder if he was like, hey, I'm going to call the guy who co-wrote Piranha 2 all those years ago and work with him again, because I really liked his work on Piranha 2. So <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. That's uh, I, I, I guess like I could have actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I, I could have like looked it up and seen this. Actually, probably I don't know. It seems it seems very odd that like this 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 guy would end up writing both those films and not have some sort of relationship with Cameron. So, 100%. but yeah. So, anyways, that's the it. that's that's our our first uh, random aside uh, of this episode, which I'm sure there will be many. Any anything else you want to add about uh, any of the any of our episode stats before we get started? No, I think that's pretty good. Although I will say I noticed that uh, there were actually a few uh, more viewers for the third episode than the second episode. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm no, I don't really follow out. a lot. Yeah, I don't really follow it on TV stats, but I, I guess, you know, that could be, I guess, for part for the course in a in a show like this, because I think it just kept on going. Well, I know I know the second I know the second episode had a dip, like the first episode had a pretty good viewership. Then there was a dip and then it came back. So I don't yeah. know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe maybe November 14th was a slow, slow TV night and people needed something to watch. That is true. That's true. Cool. Well, let's let's get right into it. And as always, we're going to kick off this episode. We're going to talk about episode first, just because. I'm one of those people I love to kind of keep track of when things, you know, when, when characters first show up, when things first start happening. I, I think we mentioned this earlier on other episodes, but, you know, especially in today's kind of TV culture where you, you're you not really watching a lot of live TV. If you're like me, you're probably just binging a lot of TV. So everything kind of runs together and <laughs> you kind of forget like, oh, wait, when did that character show up? Which I was kind of actually surprised because I didn't, you know, this whole first season, I've I've watched it a few times. And I think each time I've kind of watched it, you know, back to back to back. So the first uh, first appearance on this episode, I was actually kind of surprised to uh, be uh, remember that this is actually the first episode that Norman Reedus appears as Daryl Dixon. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? He's one of those characters you think like, oh, gosh, he mo-. I mean, technically, I guess he was there from the beginning but yeah someone you really think would have been there way earlier on yeah well, he's kind of he's kind of become like i know we don't want to spoil anything for future seasons or future episodes because we're, we're taking this from the start and we're pretending that we're watching it fresh for the first time but i know you know it's he's obviously becomes like a fan favorite um mm-hmm. and you don't have to watch the show to know that because you can just look at all the the, the <laughs> million pieces of walking dead merchandise that are out there now and he's basically on all of them so <laughs> Yeah, he's kind of a kind of a popular character, I think. Which but, is interesting, uh, considering that he was not an original character from. The yeah, books. yeah, yeah. That's another thing, and and we I think we mentioned on the first episode. I I've read some of the comics. I don't. It's been a while, and we're you know I I don't think that uh, man it would it would take so much time to get into all the differences and comparisons. Ooh. Um, but that is that is one thing that I thought was kind of interesting that uh, you know a lot of places uh. Uh, where you that talk about the walking dead call that out that most of these characters were originally in the comic and Mm -hmm. uh, he was not so yeah which i actually don't i actually don't know 
I don't I don't know if Merle was in the comic. Oh, do you? Shoot, I kind of feel like, uh, shoot, I don't know. I feel like he was, but I'm not. Yeah, yeah I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay, well, we'll have to go back. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, because because I was like, man, we could make this show. We could make a 45 minute episode about each, uh, or a 45 minute podcast about each episode, or we could make like an hour and a half episode <laughs> where we talk about the comic and the show. I'm like, man, people people probably don't want to listen to that. So, <laughs> yeah. Say, if you like us that much, I guess let us know. But <laughs> I mean, you could, yeah, we we can, we can make a lot. We can talk for longer if you if you guys we like could that, do a special. <laughs> probably you probably don't. You probably don't. Um. So yeah, we got we got Norman Reedus as Daryl Dixon. Uh, he was an actor. I was you know vaguely familiar with him. I think mm. when the show came out, he had been in Boondock Saints. But oh uh, my god, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He he's one of those actors that like it's kind of funny because you can't, I can't really remember a time that Norman Reedus wasn't like this like popular kind of i don't know like i don't want to say cult figure because he's obviously mm. you know in this very uh mainstream show but he's also gone on to you know he was in death stranding like appearing kind of basically as himself or or, or as an actor like playing or playing a character but you know like the um they, they modeled the character after him and everything so he's kind of obviously gone on to be very very popular and successful after this yeah yeah no kidding and he's like the face of all of the like you just said you know merchandise and yeah. like the video games it's like for some reason he's yeah. always like the character in the video games my i have a conspiracy theory that it's like they just don't want to pay like rights to kirkman and those guys and they're like this is one we created on our own so we don't have to <laughs> pay true. you for it <laughs> I, yeah, I wonder if there's something there yeah i mean the the other the other possibility is just like Rick's kind of the main character, but he's also kind of a really boring white bread character. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, look, when you're a kid, well, actually, I don't know if you had Star Wars toys when you were a kid. But okay. When I was a kid, especially if you're a little boy, like, sure, you wanted to be Luke Skywalker, but you really wanted to be Han Solo. Right. He was cool one. And obviously, this is the character that they're like, let's have a character that's like, kind of an asshole, but also, you know, he's he's kind of, he's kind of cool, or at least that that's what he becomes. But, uh, yeah, so yeah. I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, we also have Melissa McBride as Carol, another character who becomes very, very prominent in the series, and I had forgotten to take so long to get to her, uh, which actually, you know, makes sense because they, they're kind of... I, I think this, this show is very well kind of plotted and kind of paced, and I actually appreciate the fact that they don't introduce all these characters at once. Yeah, I, I do definitely agree, you know, especially the way some of these people are introduced, <clears throat> Andrea. So, you know, it might uh, take a minute to get used to them. <laughs> oh, man, love Andrea. Um, no, so <laughs> Melissa McBride, uh, we'll, we'll talk about all these characters a little more when we get to our, our next segment. But I did want to mention uh, she's yet another actor or actress who had also <laughs> starred or appeared. I shouldn't say starred, appeared in uh, a, a prior work by Frank Darabont which is 2007's The Mist. And have you, I, I can't remember if we talked about this before. Have you actually seen The Mist, Renee? I have seen The Mist. And we, okay. I honestly, we really should talk about it at some point because it's oh, we so should. good. We should, so but good. I don't, I don't know if you remember her character. She actually has. I do not. Okay. Okay. Well, it's not a pivotal character, but, uh, and this is a spoiler for The Mist. So fast forward like 30 seconds if you haven't seen The Mist, but she's the woman at the very beginning 
when they're in the store, she's like, well, I need to get home to my kids. Will anyone walk me home? And everyone, like, even, like, uh, the main, like, Thomas Jane's character is kind of embarrassed that, like, basically no one is brave enough to walk her home. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, after, again, huge spoiler, after, you know, he kills his kid and everyone else in the car, and then the army guys come through and the mist is receding and the, the, the truck passes them and she's in the truck. So, uh... yeah. So, yeah. Just, I completely she's, yeah. missed that. Yeah, she's she's that character. So, oh. kind of, again, not like pivotal to the plot, but pivotal to kind of the themes of that movie, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I have so, to, so I have to tell anyone that's listening, if you hear me just kind of laugh at random points, um, it's because Zach made some notes and oh they're they're funny. And it was just one of them, like the woman that no one will walk home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that that is like, I don't even remember, like, I didn't even bother looking up her name in that movie because no one cares, but right, her name. But but if you tell anyone who's really familiar with that movie, yeah, she's the one no one no one's willing to walk home. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. I really that's a sign I need to rewatch it again. because Oh, man, it's such a good movie. It's such a good movie. And it's kind of funny because there are so many I think there are a lot of themes and a lot of characters in that movie that kind of mirror the walking dead which is maybe why you know darabont went back and tried to cast so many people that he had worked with on that movie yeah but anyways so yeah we'll talk a little bit more about her we've also got uh adam uh minerovich as ed who oh boy is a character that I, I don't know i have an inkling here that the writers wanted him to be uh unlikable um, <laughs> i don't know it could be wrong could be yeah. wrong just the vibe I get from him, who is, of bit. course, uh, Carol's uh, loving husband. Very and, loving. <laughs> yeah. And then we also have a couple of other minor characters. We have Madison Lintz as Sophia, who I don't think actually has any lines in this. But, uh, yeah, she's there. And then I thought it was actually kind of funny because I was, I, I, we haven't even mentioned. Maybe, we, maybe I should take uh, more notes on these. But there are some other people in this camp that, like, just randomly kind of show up in the background and they don't have any lines and you never really know what happened or i think i guess maybe they get killed later on but uh i did i did note that you know morales is obviously like a character that actually has a name and lines and is kind of important to the show but then he has like a family that i don't think i don't think they have any lines i don't think you ever learned their names um but yeah but uh but you do have uh uh vivian chavez as miranda morales who is uh, I believe his wife and then, oh, actually, oh man, hold on. Oh yeah. Okay. Sorry. I formatted it wrong. Um, you have Maddie Lomax as Eliza and Noah Lomax as uh, Louis uh, Morales. So uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of funny. Although I did, I did note that Maddie Lomax, who I, I believe Eliza is his daughter. For some reason she is credited in this episode and his wife and his son are not. So I have, <laughs> she must have a really good agent because yeah, I thought it was yeah. kind of funny. Right. But uh, yeah, so there uh, and I did note that, um, you know, as soon as they start introducing characters who don't have names, I just assume that they are going to be uh, if they if they show up more than once, I assume that they are going to be uh, cannon fodder for uh, for later episodes, because this is a show about zombies. So that's true. That's very yeah. true. <laughs> Anyways, um, do we we can talk about a little more about these characters and a little more about the plot of this episode actually i didn't even read the plot synopsis so let's let's rewind a little bit uh, or let's let's rewind our tivos here and uh what is this episode about well uh, i'm gonna read you the official synopsis from the amc website uh rick makes a decision to go back to atlanta to retrieve the bag of guns and save a man's life i like how they mention the bag of guns first <laughs> i mean the bag of guns is literally a million times more important 
than the the, the man. Which which it's kind of funny because everyone agrees because everyone's yeah. like, well, what Merle? No, no, we're we're not we're not going back for Merle. Oh, yeah. there's a bag of guns. Yeah, we should definitely go back. Definitely um, <laughs> which is totally totally valid. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, do we want to move on and talk about the living? and kind of uh, what the character's doing in this episode and uh, kind of how it relates to the plot. Yeah. Now, I will just like to say, I believe, if I remember correctly, because they kind of have, you know how this, like they did in the last episode where it opened with Shane and Lori, and then just kind of cut to the rest. Um, I believe that this episode opened with Michael Rucker on the roof again, where he's like, like crying out and... um, the walkers are trying to break through the door and, and then he just is like, I never, I'm assuming presumptively he's talking to God or whatever. And he's like, I never needed you anyway. And, Oh, he's just so good. Like, Oh man, that was a, that was a hell of a scene. And so, yeah, I think they just cut away right when he was under that pipe, but I just wanted to take that minute because that was a always very impressive acting. No, that, that, that yeah, that, that was actually my note about him, uh, which is uh, I, I just wrote really glad they gave him the cold open because uh, we get to see some quality Rooker acting. Yeah, I mean, man. W- w- so we talked last episode about how much we obviously hate this character and how this character is written as a character to be hated. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of over the top in the first episode. But I kinda, I do love the fact that they give him the scene to kind of breathe. And it's a solo scene, which mm-hmm. I'm not an actor. I don't know anything about acting. But uh, I'm pretty sure that, like, not having another person to play off of is actually, like, a thousand times, like, more difficult, like, just in terms of, like, being a, like, convincing actor. So, yeah. yeah. Which I I think, so, also, I I just want to say, I think that we're, I think that we're getting some backstory to him, because you mentioned in the last episode about, you know, he's up there on the roof shooting some zombies and getting headshots. He seems to be a pretty good shot. Mm -hmm. I think he's having some sort of weird, like... Uh, sunstroke flashback to I think he was in the army at some point and I think mm. he got discharged mm. interesting so, so I, I'm pretty sure that's what's supposed to be going on because it sounds like he had an altercation at some point with someone in the army pro- due to the fact that he's like a horrible racist asshole and sure. he got like thrown into he got like put in you know army jail or whatever I think that's what he's having a flashback to yeah, that's really interesting. I would, I'd have to go look at that again, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so I watched it. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it would make a lot of sense considering considering his character and considering how they do stuff like that, where you know there is a lot of backstory that they kind of you know so gently allude to. Um, see, it would not surprise me. Yeah, I mean, and he, he does he does do the whole thing where yeah he is talking to God at some point because he's like, you know, oh no, I'll be good, I'll behave, I I won't do that, yeah. you know. Um, which, you know, I don't know, maybe we don't actually know his fate in this episode. So I guess if he, if he does make it out alive and if he does come back, we'll find out, uh, whether his, uh, whether, whether the promises he was making to, uh, to Jesus Christ, our Lord up there on that roof, uh, actually pan out. Sure. Yeah. I'm thinking they don't. (laughs) I'm thinking they really don't. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I think after that, don't they, is that where they go back to the camp, right? And that's where they're all kind of sitting around and they start talking about catching frogs. Yeah, well, that's that's a little bit later. Um, okay. Oh, no, no, yeah, I think, sorry, I think they, they are talking about catching frogs because uh, oh, like they yeah, Shane and Lori. But I think you're right, because before that's when they make the decision to actually go back. 
Well, yeah, the the actual the actual frog catching scene is later, but yeah, he's he's yeah. that's when he's he's telling uh, Carl that uh, he will he will teach him to catch frogs. Yeah. yeah, which I actually I actually really like this scene. I think you know so far a lot of these characters have, um, as I I don't want to necessarily say one dimensional, but they just haven't had enough screen time to really develop or to really do anything other than you know say a couple lines to establish something about the plot and then we kind of move on so i actually i actually like the scene i i think uh you know shane and Lori. um i think you know the the acting in the scene is really good and i like the fact that it's it's they they take a moment to kind of give both of these uh characters kind of just a, a moment to do something that's just basically just chilling i totally agree just kind of yeah nobody's you know i mean granted she's cutting his hair but it's like nobody's frantically around trying to like do laundry or, or you know gather food or whatever it is yeah yeah so nice. and you're absolutely right because i totally forgot that uh the, everybody hasn't shown back up yet yeah yeah I, I think i think like the thing is like you know joe john bernthal uh i think he's he's been he's been given like minimal kind of material to work with just in the sense that he's kind of been an asshole in every scene he's been in which is you know the kind of the character but uh we do get to kind of see a a slightly different side of him here and he he plays it really well so yeah yeah i agree it's it is interesting um i think looking back on it now of what we've seen so far you know you almost feel like you've got more backstory on certain characters than we even do on shane yeah well i i do want to say though i love the fact that you they start this episode kind of humanizing him and making him seem like less of an asshole <laughs> and then eventually <laughs> eventually like one of the bombshells in this in this uh this episode which is kind of oddly not actually mentioned when they show back up because obviously you know Lori is very happy to see rick and you know she she her and carl are just kind of beside themselves but i, I thought it was kind of a weird kind of uh moment where or it's kind of a weird omission that she doesn't mention that she thought he was dead, which I don't think we actually knew up until this point. Right. I, yes. Now I, I will say that it is funny kind of, you know, looking back on the episode, um, cause I watched it, uh, <laughs> twice. Cause I do my homework people. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, you know, occasionally I will, you know, and I don't know, I think it's just one of those things you put yourself in the mind of that actor. Um, I felt like she really was holding it. Like if I thought that somebody was dead, um, I I probably really wouldn't have been like that. I mean, you know, you cope and you just kind of get along, but it's like, you, I don't know that I would have been really that well held together, like only three weeks in, but then to see that person, I don't, I mean, she, you know, I don't know what I would have done at that moment of like, you're, you were dead, but you're not dead. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I feel like it would have been more a, a bit of a stronger emotional response. <laughs> right. Right. Which, no judgment, yeah. <laughs> ma'am. Yeah. But yeah. No, I just, I just thought it was kind of funny. It's like because they the way that they write it, you know, there, there are some things that they kind of hold back as kind of like surprises that work really well in the show. Like we talked about in the first episode where we see Lori and Carl before we actually know that that's his his wife and his son. And that's yeah. a really good that's a really good like reveal but but in this one yeah it's like uh we so we find later on that uh yeah she you know she she uh she thinks that he's dead uh because specifically because shane told her 
that he's dead. Nice. Way to go, Shane. Yeah. Which, uh, so yeah, we, we go back from, we, we go from Shane seeming kind of humanized to, man, uh, what's, what's Shane, like, what's his, uh, what's his objective here? Yeah, it really is, right? Because, and I guess it, it kind of lends itself to, so in my mind, I'm thinking like, like we talked about with Merle, plausible deniability of, hey, you know, I don't know, the dude just took off, you know, you said, I don't really know what the heck happened to him, but he probably is dead. You know, you could have just said that, but then, well, you know. She might be holding out hope and would not bang you in the woods with her stinky. That's body. what I was thinking. <laughs> so that's where I'm kind of going with this. Like, yeah. I feel like Shane, I don't know, man. I, I definitely yeah. feel like he had ulterior motives. And I don't think because like if I told, okay, if I told a woman your, your husband's dead and I was telling her that to like, I don't know, to kind of uh, not console her, but to to make things easy on her because in the end i think i think it is actually easier to think oh yeah someone's dead versus i don't know what happened to that person they could still be out there right. you know i'm worried about them i i kind of get that but like if i told someone that i would not be able to look them in the face like mm. ever again <laughs> much less be like oh hey uh you want to go hook up in the woods real quick here um i don't know <laughs> so that's that's kind of like uh, that's kind of that's kind of what I'm my big takeaway for Shane from this episode. And she honestly, even then, even if you're thinking your your person is dead, like bitch, you rebounded awfully quickly. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's you know, it, people deal with trauma in different ways, <laughs> and like we said, like I mentioned last time, like people deal with trauma and stress in different ways. People have different coping me- mechanisms. That is um, true. You know, I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not yeah, wrong. She definitely kind of the 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 morning uh, the the morning phase was uh, surprisingly short there. Yeah. Now I you know they never I, as far as I know they never really kind of circled back to it and it was kind of pretty subtle. But for some reason I always had the vibe that something was maybe happening before everything oh. started. I don't know why I got that impression, hmm. and maybe like that could maybe make sense as to why it you know happened so naturally so quickly i don't know so yeah but um i don't know why i always had that kind of vibe um i mean it could have also been the sort of thing where you know they were so close before this and i mean he was probably like they were probably really close and so she was probably kind of close to Shane just because, you know, he was always around and, mm-hmm. you know, they probably all, you know, they went to dinner, to, you know, uh, at each other's houses and, you know, they, you know, whatever they did, they grilled out together, stuff like that. So yeah, that it's kind true. of the sort of thing where like, if you are going to try to like console yourself in someone else's arms, it's probably going to be someone that you're like familiar with and you know. Yeah. And really, you know, when somebody says, like, if you were the last man on earth, I mean, it is almost getting to that point. So uh, it is. Know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And it's like, okay, so it's him or it's, you know, Dale. I mean, which, I mean, no <laughs> offense, Dale. I, I love you. You're, you know, quickly becoming my favorite character in this episode. But, right. but I know but yeah. which choice I would make. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's true. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know anything else that that's kind of, I guess we've kind of, uh, that's kind of our, our segment on Shane. Um, obviously like, let's see, I'm trying to think what, what else, uh, he, he's, you know, 
trying to convince Rick not to go back to the city, which is kind of obviously the kind of pivotal question in this episode about, you know, going back and getting Merle. And uh, I love, yeah, he's, he's, he's trying to convince him not to until he finds out there are guns. Yeah. Right. Which makes sense. It is. And it's very, it's just so, you know, very, I don't know, almost a li- in a way it could be a little bit too obvious of like, Oh, it's the good versus the bad, good cop, bad cop. You know, like he yeah. is obviously the, the bestest man because he is going to save this jackass. Um, now granted there were, uh, guns and a bag of tools, but you know, yeah, that's that's actually a good. I think that's a good good way of framing these characters. Like, it's good cop, bad cop, but the good the bad cop is like kind of pretending to be a good cop. Yeah, yeah. And and it's like his. But actually, I did want to actually mention something else. And we'll let's 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 actually get to another character that's been introduced because then there's a segue between the two. Um, another character I wanted to mention is. Let me let me scroll up in my notes and actually find him his name again. Uh, Adam uh, Minerovich as Ed, mm-hmm. which is Carol's husband. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this relationship obviously is uh, another kind of dynamic that they're introducing this episode because it's very very obvious that uh, Ed is very abusive and Carol is. Uh, not the sort of person who's going to stand up to him. So she's basically kind of caught in this abusive relationship. I don't know. What, what do you do? You have any comments on either of these characters or this this dynamic? You know, it, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I could definitely. You know, there's definitely situations like that that exist. Um, I tend to. They, I guess they felt it felt a little bit over the top to me. Like some guy who's like really an abusive partner is probably not going to be quite as obvious about it. So yeah, like he's he was very transparent. Like no, there was no question this man was you know in some way controlling this woman. Uh, you know, either emotionally, mentally, uh, physically, you know, abusing her in some method. Um, so it almost was just maybe a teeny bit over the top, but at the same time. Uh, you know, it really is true, but he was just, yeah, very much an ass and she was very, uh, quite the meek, uh, person, you know, in this. Yeah. I wonder if that, that's partly because the, the kind of the bad quote unquote bad characters in this show are definitely like kind of overwritten. We talked about that with Merle last week. And obviously this is another character that we're supposed to kind of hate. And yeah, yeah, but on, on the, on the flip side, I mean, I guess you could argue that like even if so if he was you know obviously he's been an abuser they've obviously been married for a while but maybe this is like even if he felt like he had to hide it before like now he actually feels like he doesn't because Mm -hmm. kind of like those those guardrails of society have kind of fallen off and even though one of the people in the camp is a cop like he still feels like oh you know what you know what are you gonna do arrest me right yeah absolutely right he is yeah he's kind of an example of like this is like some people will rise to the occasion in this kind of situation and some people are bad and they will just get like way way worse because there's nothing stopping them Mm -hmm. yeah it's a very good point i like that yeah and i mean we're instantly like so we're instantly hate ed i i mean (laughs) i instantly like kind of take to carol and it's kind of weird because like 
it's it's not just because you know she's she's you know being abused or whatever mm-hmm. but she's also just like uh i think melissa mcbride is actually a really really good actress i think she she plays it very well obviously like it's a very kind of sensitive topic to cover mm-hmm. and so you want to you want to kind of treat it, it you know in a way that's not super over the top and dramatic um yeah. if that makes sense yeah um, i thought I her know. portrayal was was much more realistic i think um yeah just very very quiet well, uh yeah I, I like the i like the fact that she plays it as someone who like i think she understands that this relationship is rotten and toxic mm-hmm. and she understands that this man shouldn't be doing these things mm-hmm. but it is kind of that abusive relationship where you have you know almost this stockholm syndrome where yeah. you know you can't leave someone and you're defending them and you know when she the 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 scene you know, i was going to talk about where he gets beat up and she's she actually like cries and is like running to him oh, and yeah. it's like man you should be like celebrating that but no it, it's it's this like really sick kind of relationship where you're still trying to like you think somehow, you know, deep inside, like you feel like maybe they still love you or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. So I, I kind of like that though. I kind of like that. It was, she obviously she, she's, she's a character that's kind of been, um, she's not the most emotive person just because she's afraid to, because of all the abuse she's suffered. But you can tell that there's another character kind of underneath all that, just, uh, you know, occasionally trying to get out. So, yeah, I like that. <clears throat> Yeah, I agree. I thought she had a really good, a really good um, beginning, uh, you know, start. Yeah. Well, the the, the scene I kind of wanted to talk about, and this is this kind of getting back to Shane, is so then obviously like Ed <laughs> is written as a character that from the moment we see him, we are hoping that someone uh, kicks his ass. And uh, Shane yeah. does kick his ass <laughs> very, very thoroughly. And oh. Yeah. I thought that was kind of an interesting. Oh, do you have do you want to do you have thoughts on that? I just it honestly I feel like it was probably it was one of the most satisfying moments in the episode, but probably satisfying moments in the whole series. Yeah, it was just like oh, so like cathartic, and like you just you just needed that to happen and just break that tension of of all that, and like nobody deserved it more than right. Ed. So you had really no guilt about that at all. Yeah, well, that's kind of funny. So so here's the thing I actually kind of like about that whole scene, because it actually does serve as like, yeah, actually, you know, you, you don't feel any guilt about it. Like you, this guy definitely deserved it. Um, uh, you know, you, you, it's the sort of situation where like, where you're like, yeah, I, I, I wish I could do the same thing or I would have done the same thing if I were, you know, in, this, in the same situation. Um, but the thing I actually kind of like about that scene just in the sense of there being a little more depth to it and maybe i'm reading too much into it so you can tell me if i'm crazy but it's a it's a it's an enjoyable scene because you know this guy's getting his ass kicked but it also like you're kind of rooting for for shane in that moment Mm -hmm. but they're actually showing you another side of shane which is He's last, he's kicking his ass, but it's not just because of what he's doing. I feel like Shane's actually showing a side of himself because he's really this. Th- that's like literally right after his conversation with Lori, where she's like, yeah. you know, don't talk to me. Don't talk to my son. And so it's kind of like in the back of your mind, you're like, is this him doing the right thing because this guy deserves it? Or is he actually showing a side of himself where he's taking his anger out on him? Totally deserved. But 
you know, does he maybe have some underlying issues that we haven't seen yet? And he's actually exercising those those issues in a way that he can kind of get away with, if that makes sense. I 100% agree. I think that it was his, um, like, freak out of, like, fuck, Rick is back, and now I lost my girlfriend, <laughs> and I had everything I wanted, and now I don't, and I'm going to beat this guy up because I'm really pissed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that was kind of, so, so I don't know. That's why I think I actually kind of appreciate the fact that this scene has a little more depth than just like, okay, yeah, we get to see this guy get his comeuppance because yeah, you should feel good about it. But the, on the, on the, on the flip side, you're like, Hmm, is Shane doing this for the right reasons? Right. Mm-hmm. But again, <clears throat> yeah, maybe absolutely. I'm, you know, maybe I'm just reading too much into it. I don't know. I like that. No, I, I definitely, I definitely agree. There was definitely something there. Um, yeah. yeah. That Shane got to watch that Shane. Yep. Got to watch him, man. I think he's, uh, he's up to no good. So another, another, uh, is there anything else we want to say about Shane, Carol, or Ed before we move on? There was one just thing I want to mention about Shane. Now it it did, it was one of the later scenes when they were talking about frogs. This is when they were sitting around that campfire. um, And she was, I think it was a campfire. I remember that she was giving uh, Coral his haircut. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. And Shane did this imp- they were like, ew, yes. frogs are gross. And he's like, um, Shane, uh, sh- can I have can I that some more? <laughs> that was like so funny. Oh yeah. my god, it was great. Yeah. I really love that. Which is a is a great is a great moment because a it's just you know great. I just love the acting in that scene. Yes. But uh it's also like it's always, you know, we're we're kind of a little suspicious of this character already, I think, and we're becoming more suspicious, but it's always fun to see like bad characters that are doing something that kind of lull you into a false sense of security, if that makes sense. And that's yeah. one of those moments where it's like, he's just a fun guy, you know, he's just having fun. He's being a good guy. Right. So yeah. I or love that is now. he? No. Or yeah. I totally he? agree. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Um, speaking of any, anything we want to say about Carl before, before we move on, no, we no haven't really Carl. talked about Carl a lot. Uh, yeah. He's uh, you know, he's there. Yep. He's, he's there. All right. There. Getting his yeah. haircut, getting a haircut, you know, um, it, yeah, <laughs> Carl. He's he's he's, no, he's a nice boy. Yeah, he'll be fine. <laughs> he'll be fine. You know, sometimes <laughs> when you get kids in shows and and they grow up and you just don't really know, you know, like you just don't know what you're gonna get. And I, you know, he wasn't. I guess in a way it was kind of good. Like you know, sometimes those child actors can be super obnoxious. Yeah. Um, and he really wasn't. He was pretty subtle. I think. Um, thank God. Um. Yeah, so he really wasn't super annoying, and also it's probably because he was kind of just mostly in the background. Yeah, um, he just—he's not really much of a character so far. He really isn't. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I really don't have a whole lot of thoughts on Carl. Um, you know, it, it's uh, yeah, he was there. He didn't catch any frogs. He didn't. <laughs> did not. He did not. Cool. Well. <laughs> Do we want to move? On? I don't know which which character you want to talk about next. Well, there was something that happened in the beginning um, that we forgot to touch. Well, I, it was sort of the beginning. It was right when the guys were fixing to leave to go back, and they were talking to Dale about mm-hmm. his RV, yeah. um, and about and, and not about the RV. I think they were talking about you know the bolt cutters, wanting to borrow the bolt cutters. Yeah, and he's so freaking funny like <laughs> it's like my dad or something like oh my god well, i don't know about lending out my tools because i just don't get them back <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is true don't ever lend a tool to my brother you'll never get it back um 
and you know it's true, Matt. Um, not that he's ever listened yeah, to this, but if he did, yeah, you know he it's should. true. Damn. Yeah, we need, I know. He listens. We need downloads. Something. Yeah. Um, and if anyone's uh, still listening at this point, hey, how you doing? Yeah. How you <laughs> so, doing? How you doing? <laughs> so they were, uh, and they were talking, and I believe this is about the the same time where there's a gentleman that is sitting with uh, Dale. He's like kind of sitting on his bumper. And I guess he's sort of like a mechanic uh, guy. Um, his name was, what was it? Oh, shoot. Andrew Rothenberg? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's, that's Jim. Yeah, who, Jim. Who we, we talked about uh, technically kind of first appeared last episode. I don't think he had any lines, though. And so I think yeah. it's the first time he really says anything. Yeah. Um, I don't know why when looking at him and like hearing him, he kind of had like a the voice, like the inflection was almost the same. He reminded me so much of Miguel. From, oh my God. From was a day of the dead. Yes. Yeah. I don't, yes. I don't know why it really It's did. the voice. Well, it's the voice. Yeah. His, his, he kind of has like his, like the five o'clock shadow. Right. Uh, as well. But yeah, hundred percent the voice. If anyone oh. doesn't know what we're talking about uh, in day of the dead, there's a character named Miguel uh, who we mentioned. If you listen to the videos for junkies podcast or our sister podcast about movies, uh, you can go listen to the episode right now where we talk about that movie for like three hours. So yeah. go go check it out. And it kind of also made me think of somebody com- in a completely whole different universe without zombies that I'm aware of. Um, he also kind of reminded me of the guy from uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, the car repair guy. Do you remember that? When they were like talking to each other back and forth about the car? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, yeah. Why. I kind of see it. Yeah, I don't know why. I kind of. I guess it was just because like the, there's two guys standing in, yeah, front, like, standing in front of a car. I don't know why. It just kind of made me think of that for <laughs> whatever reason. But definitely more of a Miguel vibe. Yeah, so, that's funny. Intentional or not, I just, I enjoyed that moment. And Dale, I enjoyed Dale. Dale's always, he's just an entertaining guy. And, you know, with his RV, which is, you know, so I just, I just really enjoyed him. He's very practical. Like, oh, he's yeah. got his RV. He's like, you know what, I'm going to enjoy this shit. But he also brought his, like, big toolbox. Because he knows you're going to, you're going to yeah. need tools. Yeah. And they so, did. Yeah, I, I love, I love the, the, the Jim and Dale scenes. I mean, both of them had, had showed up in previous episodes, but this is where you really start to get a feeling for, for some of their actual characters. And again, uh, we've mentioned it before, but Jeffrey Dumoulin plays Dale, uh, and he also, uh, yet another actor who showed up in The Mist before this. So, and, you know, you can, you can I, you know, 100% tell why Darabont would keep casting him because he's a phenomenal actor, I love the character. I mean, yeah, my, my notes on him was uh, he's a he, well, actually, I wrote he's a pragmatist and a poet. Dale is just a dude who wants to cruise around in his RV. I love the huh. fact that, yeah, he's he's like trying to he's he's kind of kind of a poetic soul. He's he's, uh, yeah. you know, at the campfire, he says I wrote down some like one of his lines was he where he's like words can be meager things. Sometimes they fall short. And, he's just <laughs> you know, he's full of like old timey musings. Yeah. But it, it's actually funny because my other note was exactly what you just said. I wrote classic old dude his main concern even in the zombie apocalypse is people losing his tools so <laughs> yeah 100 <laughs> percent. I, lo- I loved it he was like someone and they like immediately yeah. cut to t-dog he's like yep <laughs> oh t-dog <laughs> t-dog's oh. always losing his stuff apparently he is poor guy yeah. oh which which yeah we did mention that uh, last episode they they specifically had a shot when t-dog falls on the roof that he knocks over the tools, which was foreshadowing for the fact that there's a, there's a saw there now, but yeah. also, you know, the fact that he lost his tools. He did. So, he did lose his tools. Yeah. I don't know. I love this character. I love my other thing about Dale was like, there are like, 
we mentioned this, or I mentioned this, uh, I think in previous episodes where it's like, there are a lot of characters in the show who can be very aggressive in trying to get what they want. Mm-hmm. But like Dale was, Dale's definitely seems like the sort of guy who will reason with you and convince you to give it to, to give you what he wants. Um, mm-hmm. Because like the whole thing where he was like, yeah, uh, you can, you can use this. Uh, what was it? Uh, the bolt cutters. Yeah. But uh, you know, I want one of those guns and I want the hose and he's like not being forceful about it at all, being very mm-hmm. rational and like just talking, you know, uh, you know, not being aggressive at all, but uh, you know, getting what he wants um, just by being kind of a sensible person, which you know, it's kind of kind of a nice change of pace when a lot of these other characters are kind of very always angry and shouting at each other. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, he's a he he do, he's a good dude to have around. I think um, he would definitely be fun. I feel like you know he could probably keep things. He probably is like a mellow enough guy that he could probably talk you back down if you were like on the cliff of yeah you know frantic stuff yeah he seems yeah he seems very level-headed very rational mm-hmm. so all around mm-hmm. cool guy um speaking of level-headed and rational do we want to talk about daryl dixon yeah <laughs> yeah oh daryl <laughs> yeah speaking of aggressive and shouting <laughs> um yeah. so yeah well we find out that uh daryl dixon has not been around because he's been hunting although i did take the note that I don't know what a good shot he is. And actually we know he's a good shot because we see him like nailing headshots with that crossbow like over and over. But that, that deer, man, that deer had like two arrows in its ass. I'm not a hunter. I've never bow hunted before, but that doesn't seem like a, it doesn't seem like a very, I'm just saying. That's not how you do it. (laughs) That's not how you do it. That's like one in its side and two in its ass. And first of all, I'm like, how did this deer like wait around long enough to get like three arrows in it? I don't know. Literally. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I don't it's know. Just, I don't you're know just he's... torturing it at that point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jesus, dude. Yeah. Oh. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think of what do you think of Redis as Daryl? You know, I, I think it, it was honestly, I think it was really probably a good fit. Um, it's really funny though, because when he does show up, he he is from somewhere central Florida, I think, or northern Florida. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And uh. he has a very Florida accent, like very like cunt florida country type accent yeah and it like it is almost like throws me off a little bit because it's like oh you sound like the people i went to high school with like oh geez <laughs> um yeah it's just like oh god you're so florida you gotta leave makes me uncomfortable um but god yeah he just came off kind of like a live wire um which you know makes sense being uh i was gonna say dale being merle's um brother but oh, yeah. um yeah, and you know how long was he gone hunting? And then he just comes back with like a handful of squirrels. Which yeah, I, oh, he had like twenty squirrels. Yeah, was it, I think actually, you know, it was more like eight because I, I didn't. I'm not saying I paused and counted or anything. I'm just saying that I, I might have taken a, a mild head count, yeah, you know, or tail count. Okay. Actually, I was <laughs> counting the tails. Oh God, forgive me, squirrels. Anyway, um, yeah. So he's a he's something. You know, he just kind of comes out and. Uh, a bit of a live wire um you know yeah i don't really remember exactly when the whole like fandom started for him um but he just never like ever did it for me like even as like a a cult like a fan like you know it's like a character favorite i guess is what i'm thinking yeah Um, favorite. yeah like a fan favorite he so yeah it's um i guess just kind of looking at him now like and it's just like that guy really all right right. yeah Well, yeah, and this is like uh, obviously not spoiling anything or getting ahead of ourselves, but this is one of those characters where, well, a they they definitely 
in my opinion, they wrote him in here to be a be a character that's yeah, kind of unpredictable, kind of a live wire, but he's definitely like a toned down version of Merle in terms of like he's not spouting like racist shit. He's he's obviously got some like probably racist inclinations, but he's not like yelling racial slurs. So he's you don't immediately necessarily like hate him as much as you hate Merle. And that feels like a very kind of intentional uh choice just in terms of like how they present his character yeah i agree and you know they really and it's you know they do they show he shows a emotion that you didn't yeah. really see you know like merle is emoting for himself um you know whereas daryl is kind of you know having emotions for him i think it definitely is there's there's a softer side to, to daryl yeah maybe one <laughs> day we'll see softer, it but i don't know softer Sensual so side. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, watching watching this episode though, I also kind of wondered, like, okay, obviously he, I guess, loves Merle because he's his brother, and he kind of feels mm -hmm. that bond with him. But I don't know. Maybe it's the way it's written, or the way it's acted, or maybe I'm just imagining things that aren't there. But like, he seems to kind of come to terms with the fact that Merle's maybe dead pretty quickly. Like, I mean, granted, he does try to, like, stab Rick to death. But, like, mm -hmm. after he has that conversation, he seems, like, very resigned very quickly, which I thought was kind of funny, which, again, maybe this is just all in my head, but it kind of makes me wonder if he is maybe, like, not... He, you know, he's, he's one of... You know, sometimes you have people in your family who you, you love them because they're family, but you're also, like... I don't know. I don't want to say embarrassed by them, but um, you you mm -hmm. you know that they they are probably not actually good people, and maybe he kind of knows that about Merle because maybe he's just he's just right. fundamentally not as much of a scumbag as Merle. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And you just it's like you like you who knows what kind of relationship they had? You know, right? Could, he could have been a real dickhead brother, yeah. and like he probably said, was. I mean, he's probably you know, like, the older brother is probably like you know beat the shit out of him all the time when he's a kid or whatever probably <laughs> right saying. yeah i totally see what you mean where it was kind of like yeah yeah and they're all like no he was a dick and it's like yeah i guess you're right yeah he's yeah fine. <laughs> so i don't know i thought it was kind of funny sink in. yeah, yeah. I, I, the, the thing is like i can't actually tell because as much as i enjoy this episode i feel like some of the writing and some of the characters are kind of weird which yeah. I, actually maybe I, I don't know do you have anything else to say about daryl or or norman reedus you know, I guess if anything, I was just kind of in a, it almost is kind of what you were not what you were starting to say, but just the words you were using, because <laughs> um, I don't know where you were oh. going with it. Um, but the writing of the characters, it's almost like there's these big like juxtapositions of like he's crying for Merle or yeah. And um, it's almost like, you know, he kind of gets past that yeah. where there's Carol on the other side who isn't getting past it. Right. And then they both end up kind of like having these like breakdowns for these two, you know, oh, kind true, of people. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It was, yeah. It's a lot of, they do a lot of that like black and white stuff, like Shane and Rick. And, you know, I don't know. It's the comparisons, I guess, like people in these different situations, but they're sort of the same, but different. Right. Yeah. No, that's actually true. I hadn't actually thought of that, but yeah, that's true. The, the one other thing I wanted to mention uh, or, or the, I guess the, the segue there, the thing I, I wanted to mention about. Yeah, sorry about. Oh, no, 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 characters. that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah so uh, we talked about Lori a little bit. I, I don't know if we have anything else to say uh, about Lori in this episode, or I don't know if you have anything else to say about her. No, she wasn't. She never, you know, I don't know. I never really 
vibed a whole lot with her. I don't know why. I don't know if it was, you know, the acting or if it was just the way the character was written or what it was. Or maybe I'm just like, damn girl, you know, like, what are you doing Um, that I had like some sort of internal judgment? I don't know. Um, But yeah, I just never really felt like much really towards her, I guess. Yeah. I mean, she, I guess in a way, it was like she was just kind of there. I, I mean, no, she obviously was doing stuff, but I feel like she was just I always mean, a very underwritten character. And I, I feel like, I yeah. feel like she's, she, I feel like you could like not name her character, and they could have just called her character Rick's wife the entire time. Yeah, if that makes sense, because that's basically what she's here absolutely. for. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. It's like we got like it's like the other one. I don't remember who the hell I was talking about earlier, but it's like we have more backstory on that guy, some random dude like Wayne Dunlap than we do on Lori. Yeah. yeah. No, so, that's yeah. that's that's something we'll we'll have to uh kind of kind of keep an eye on future episodes because yeah, I, I feel like yeah. she's uh this episode, like I said, she gets a little more to do. I, I mean I actually like the uh I like the actress. Uh oh man, I did not uh um God, what's her name? Got, it's like Sarah Kaylee, Sarah Wayne. I gotta something. I gotta go to my uh uh my my notes but um yeah sarah wayne uh kaylee's is lori uh which which i got i get so confused and this is probably why i keep calling andrea lori because i literally wrote a care uh, a note about the character of lori under andrea because the actress's name is lori so i will probably make a lot of mistakes <laughs> um but yeah no i think i think this is actually like i like her more in this episode than i have in previous episodes just because she has more to do and uh i think you know i think the actress is good I just, I feel like she's actually pretty, so far she's, I feel like she's actually less, I feel like I know about less about her as a character than I know about even Mm -hmm. someone like Glenn, which is kind of weird. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, It is just very odd. And yeah, I remember having seen her in something else. I can't even tell you what that was. I don't remember. But I remember, you know, sometimes I'll take things with me. Um. Like, if I don't like somebody in something, then I'll go to the next thing and be like, ugh, I don't know about you. Um, Yeah, so I, but I remember not being too bothered by her in the other thing I saw. So I think it's just, like you said, there's just a little. Yeah, she's not bad. She's just like, man, make, give this character something to do. Make this character a character. Yeah, or like, you know, make it either clear, right, like that. Make it clear of like, either, yeah, she's, she's being a little nefarious in this situation, or no, she really desperately was you know, thought this was that situation and she was just, you know, really sad and needed comfort and blah, 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 blah. So yeah. Just, okay. Let me, let know. me, let me put it, let me phrase it a different way. And you, you can, you can tell me if this is uh like far too sexist and maybe I'll edit it out. But uh, Lori seems like the sort of person, the sort of characters. Yeah. The sort of person that has a bumper sticker that says Carl's mom on it. <laughs> okay do you know what i'm talking about do you know like some of these like some uh, and again is that too am i am i out of line here she would have like the little stick figures and yes. stuff like yes a hundred percent i mean she, just oh. because and the school he yeah went exactly to. just yeah. like you see you see people who like uh like 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 mothers who are like yeah i'm i'm peyton's mom it's like well do you not have an identity like yeah she just like getting back yes. to like she's carl's mom she's rick's husband but yeah, like who actually is she you know right um 100%. okay great that's <laughs> not, not a horribly misogynistic comment and i can leave it in no i can literally okay. see her sitting in like the the parking lot like to pick him up from yeah. school like in the the row of cars there yeah it's, yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of like i just juxtapose her 
and oh man, I'm totally blanking, but the the mom on Breaking Bad, who is like a hundred percent like her oh own God. character and has her own arcs and is believable as a human being as much as you know any TV yeah. character ever is. And then Lori yeah. was just I don't know, but hey, look, uh, you know, as far as anyone else else is concerned, we've only watched three episodes of this show, so who knows what's going to happen with Lori? <laughs> um, so so the note uh, the the note I was getting to, uh, the last thing I have to say about her, and uh, this kind of getting back to the writing in this show, mm. and this is uh, so yeah, I've watched this episode you know over the years a couple times. I watched the first season a few times, uh, watched it a couple times just for just for this podcast, but this is always bothered me and i don't know if i'm just crazy i don't you can tell me if i'm misreading or misunderstanding the scenes but there's something that's always bothered me and that is so the, you know obviously the whole episode is about whether or not they they're going to go back to atlanta to get merle mm -hmm. um and as soon as she he hears about that she's very adamantly against it because you know uh, you know obviously he just got back and he's going to go he's talking about going back to a a city full of uh, walkers uh, totally understandable. Then there's the scene where she, uh, where like Merle's trying to like fight him and, and he's trying to like explain what happened to Merle. And then, you know, T-Dog's talking about, yeah, well, I, you know, he, he might still be there because I, you know, uh, I, I changed the door and everything. And then, right. uh, and then at some point she says uh, to Daryl, uh, you know, he'll uh, like Rick's talking to, to, to Daryl. And then Lori says, he'll, he'll show you, he'll show you, or like Daryl's trying to, you know, say like, well, how am I going to find him? And she says, yeah, he'll yeah. show you. And like, and, and then yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So she's reserved herself to the fact that this is something that Rick needs to do. And she's basically like, she understands that, um, you know, A, she's not going to talk Rick out of it. And B, like, yeah, he did leave that guy up on the roof. So you know and and maybe you know so that daryl doesn't like kill him in his sleep like he he needs to do this whatever like she just seems resigned to yeah. it and then in the very next scene she's like yelling at him about going back and how absolutely forbidding him from going back i, I am i crazy no you are not crazy i did this i literally rewound yeah. i remember exactly what you're talking about because i rewound because i was like wait what i was like because it was just like blah 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 yeah no, he's freak daryl's freaking out and it was almost like like i'm gonna calm him down look it's fine he'll show you where he's at exactly. we'll we'll be fine yeah and then the next scene you just got here <laughs> yeah. what are you leaving again and i was like wait wait what and i literally rewound it and i was like okay so that okay that happens right. and that happened so it was it was weird and it really is almost i know i'm maybe i'm gonna be crazy lady but it almost was like she's playing the field, like she's playing both sides of it, almost like she's playing both Rick oh, and Shane. Interesting. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to go there. Yeah, I don't know. But it really was weird, right? Like, why, And I couldn't understand why she did that. Like, was she just trying to get him to shut right. up? Or was she, I don't know why she, yeah, that really, thank you, because yeah. that <laughs> threw me well, too. And, and yeah, I was, I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, is this, is this like you said, like, does she have motives here? Is she, was she just trying to diffuse the situation? Um, but mm -hmm. I also wonder, like, this is the first episode. This episode has like three writers credited as, you know, writing the teleplay. I'm like, maybe it was just some weird, like someone rewrote a scene and hadn't really considered now how that stayed in there. I don't know, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's maybe, maybe it was just, you know, when three people write something, sometimes there are weird inconsistencies. Seems pretty glaring though. <laughs> yeah, it really was quite. 
because it was like right in front of yeah. everybody and then it, I, yeah it was it was really was bizarre i remember that cool. too well i'm glad i'm not the only one who thought that was really weird it was weird totally was weird <laughs> um, <laughs> cool well are there any other characters are there any other uh members of the living that we want to talk about before we move on no no i think I'm, i think i am pretty good on the living cool. well let's move on to our next section then and uh talk about uh the most important group in this show which uh, obviously aren't the living because that's not the name of the show but let's talk about the dead <laughs> and uh just talk about a little bit about like zombies highlights things that we noticed uh do you do you have anything you want to talk about or do you want me to start boy um i do <laughs> so so sorry because i was like the living living yeah. like that <laughs> the was living, the living. walking living yep. the walking living <laughs> be kind of a boring show. Live man walking <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh god the only thing that again i think stuck out to me i'm trying to remember there weren't there was a a couple things because they were kind of really i think at the camp at this point aside from going back um for merle was um the guy the zombie that was eating the deer yeah. because again i was like it's an animal you guys <laughs> so yeah like zombies don't eat deer however who was it daryl or somebody was like well they're running out of foods so they're they're starting to eat animals and they're heading north and all that nonsense but... yeah that, that was actually one of the uh one of the notes that i had so it was actually i think jim who said that and the note i had there oh okay. yeah because because i'm always you know uh you, you i always question like is are the writers having the characters say something to kind of you know establish a plot point or is it just the you know the is it just a character kind of saying something that that you know they just don't know what's going on if that makes sense but um yeah, yeah so so that is that is a great question to say he says you know maybe they're running out of food and that's that's a really you know is this a future plot point is uh you know is is our intrepid group of survivors in danger because the walkers are going to start fanning out uh, or does he just have no idea what the hell he's talking about? I don't know. We're going to have to stay tuned yeah. and find out. Or did Glenn lure them to the camp with the damn car alarm? Uh, that's, yeah, you're not wrong. Like, that's also. I mean, I, yeah. I dig the car, but you maybe should have bailed yeah. it out down the road. Yeah, very true. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking yeah. of that zombie, uh, the, the zombie eating that deer is actually played by Greg Nicotero, who was the uh, ah! the makeup designer oh. and would go on to be, uh, I think he was a producer from the beginning that he'd go on and be like one of the showrunners and executive producer. So that's uh now yeah. also she, he, uh, another actor that was in day of the dead, actually, I think it was the first movie that he worked on and he had a small role in day of the dead and uh, he gets killed. So and I, th I can't remember if he gets turned into a zombie or not. Either way, I can't remember his, his exact fate, but I'm going to say it's canon in my head that he's actually a zombified version of uh, his character from day of the dead. So, <gasps> Oh. Not really, because his character was like Ooh. wearing like army fatigues when he died, so it's totally different. But you know, still, still. Hey, you know, you never yeah. know. <laughs> um, cool. Anything? I think those were actually the only notes I had on the dead. There actually aren't a lot. Of, I think that's the only zombie in this episode, just about. So, yeah. Oh, the dead. Um, well, I, mean, I guess at this point it's going to be spoiler alert. Where we are getting to the end of it. Uh, a moment of science silence for Merle's yeah. hand the dead that, that yeah the dead hand. honestly and i'm a little glad because i thought for a minute they were gonna like make it do some sort of like weird twitch oh, yeah, thing or yeah. something so i'm glad they didn't do that because i thought oh no don't make it like a weird disembodied hand thing so kind of 
But yeah. I'm wondering, uh, by the way, I'm wondering if that is a potentially a Mad Max reference because uh, you know, he uses <sighs> he uses the saw to. Now, granted, apparently the zombies never got out, so maybe he could have just took taken the time to saw through the the handcuffs. But maybe he thought he didn't have the time. I don't know. Yeah. Also, oh, oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm so sorry. This was actually not um, related to the dead, but it was something that you mentioned just re- referencing another movie is in the beginning when they all got back to the camp and he referred to um, Rick as helicopter yeah. boy. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, didn't call him fly boy. But <laughs> oh, I thought, yeah, that's oh, true. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. I, I'm desperate just to find connections in everything because that's what I. I yeah, no, it's funny. With. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, no, I didn't even. Yeah, I didn't even make that connection. Um yeah, that poor deer, though. R.I.P. Yeah. deer. Well, you know, it was going to die either way because it was full of arrows. So I it mean, it's, was. Actually, it's probably, it's probably dead. It was probably dead before the zombie started eating it, which is a better fate than the horse had. So that's good. Oh, yeah, God, that's true. <laughs> I'm just saying. Blaze or was it Blade? Uh, Blade or... Yeah. Which, uh, Blade. Coincidentally, oh, uh, Norman Reedus uh, co-starred in Blade 2. So <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. I don't know. Anything else we want to talk about for the living or the dead, or do we want to move on to our kind of final segments and wrap stuff up? I think, I think we're good. Cool. Well, let's really quickly talk about all the characters and uh, all the things they do in this episode. So let's talk about just based on the characters uh, as, you know, just based on them in this episode specifically, uh, let's talk about who we would save and who, who we would sacrifice. This is just a section where we like to talk about, we pick one person, we would save, i.e., who was our favorite character of this episode, and uh, who we would sacrifice, who was our least favorite character. Uh, I feel like we're probably going to be very close on some of these, but uh, Renee, do you want to go go first with who you would save? Yeah, you know, there was there was kind of a lot of people going on, and I feel like, you know, I mean, aside from old Officer Friendly, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there were not too many, like, you know, oh, you know, this person really saved the day kind of things. Um, but I really, I just, I really like Dale. I think I'm going to give it to Dale 100%. because, uh, yeah, he's just very enjoyable. He's, it, he's just a, he's just so good. You know, he's good. He's a good actor. It's a great character. He's, he's very much like worried about his tools, you know, just that whole yeah, thing. I love it. I love they had the awning out on the RV. Like he was just chilling and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Dale's hundred percent my save. Yeah. He's, you know, the more I think about it, like I, I would, there are a couple of characters I would like to be stuck in the apocalypse, but he's definitely one of them because I'm the sort of person who like when, when, when shit hits the fan, like I try to like remain calm. And when people are panicking around me, it really irritates me. And he's obviously like cool as a cucumber. So I think we would work well together. So definitely going to save Dale. Absolutely. Actually, I'm, he's probably going to save yeah. me because he's got the RV. So he's going to drive us to safety. Yeah. So. And that's kind of, you know, what I was mentioning earlier, like he could really keep you calm and talk yeah. you down off a ledge. Like I would probably need yeah. someone like that from time there to time. Um, on the flip <laughs> yeah. side, though, who are we leaving behind? Who, are we, who do we want to sacrifice oh, this episode? And again, probably we're probably on the same page on this. Yeah, probably on the same page for this. Now, I will tell you. So I, I had three people in the pool. Oh, OK. Uh, yeah, I was a little mad at Rick for going back from <laughs> yeah. Merle. Because, you know, you're just not yourself, but there's just a whole lot that you're risking. That's a it's not yeah, a good call. It, it feels like Rick's still trying to earn merit badges. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I was a little grumpy at Glenn for, again, having driven the car to the yeah. camp. 
when you know come on buddy i get it like it's a sweet yeah. ride and you want to hang on to it as long as you can maybe they, you know you can disable and yeah. i don't know but I, yeah i did, I did actually Not, feel bad for him though because the scene later where he's like ah oh, you vultures are just like stripping the car so he kind of he got his yes. <laughs> he did yes oh, poor thing but you know i realistically if we were all standing like in front of a firing squad and they were like, pick one, they wouldn't even have had to finish the sentence before I would have been like, give me the gun. It's Ed. <laughs> give me the gun. <laughs> I will do it. <laughs> yes. Actually, you don't know. even have to put bullets into it. I'll just bludgeon him to death. Because it'll exactly. be more pleasurable. Yeah, like, Shane, come here. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yep. Great. Yeah, 100%. All right. Well, Ed, Ed is getting left behind to, uh, you know, whatever whatever fate might befall him with the uh, the walkers. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the second time we've done we've done this twice, and I think we've been <laughs> aligned both both times. So yeah. Funny. Uh, cool. <sighs> well, do we want to wrap things up and move on to our final segment, which is our rantings and rankings, where we just give our final thoughts on this episode, and we're gonna slap a uh, we're gonna slap a rating on it. Now, I think last episode we figured out we don't have a really stupid funny rating system. Uh, because I always do those, so we're just gonna we're gonna do it out of five. But each episode is gonna be out of five different things. Uh, I don't I don't know if you had an idea for this one. I'm gonna nominate uh five severed Merle hands for this <laughs> as a rating system. I really like okay. that. I think that's perfect. perfect. Oh my god. Or, or, or five <laughs> frogs if we want to be less grotesque. <laughs> no. Oh god, I really like the okay. hands though. Oh man, you could like make a necklace yeah. or, anyway. Or, or, um, or just one hand and you can pose it to hold up the number of fingers that we're uh, giving it as a rating. There I really you go. like that a lot. Oh, oh man. Man, so this one, you know, mm, I think I'm going to give this one three hands. I'm waffling between three and 3.5 hands um, <laughs> because, you know, three, it's a little, I guess it felt to me like a little bit of a transitional episode, um, even though, you know, we were kind of, you know, we met daryl and stuff and you know there was a little bit more happening and like the group reunited i guess it just sort of felt a little transitional yeah. to me um and um yeah so it, but at the same time there was the scene where he beat the shit out of ed and that <laughs> yeah. was so satisfying you know and that's really where i'm like ooh, do I, I think i i think i really am i think i'm gonna go with a 3.5 with that 0.5 specifically for that oh, scene perfect <laughs> yeah that makes sense yeah yeah, I, I was I was waffling between three and three point five. I think this is still a really enjoyable episode. I mean, I think, you know, this show mm -hmm. is still, you know, it's a super well done show. Um, I actually hold yeah. on. I had I had one other note. Man, let me see if I can find it. This is actually a holdover from, I think, the the last episode, which I actually didn't mention. I wanted to mention it um, on here just because I think it was one of the important things. Um, yeah. Okay. So we talked about on the first episode, I can't remember the name of the guy, but the director of photography, uh, kind of established oh, yeah. the, 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 the visual look of this show. And he actually only did the mm -hmm. one episode. So episode two, uh, was actually, oh. uh, David Boyd took over as the director of photography. And I think that, you know, he, obviously the, the visual kind of style was already established, but I think he did a great job of kind of continuing that tradition uh, he's he'd worked on a whole bunch of stuff, but I think most notably, he also shot a uh, little show you may have heard of called Firefly. So, um, he yeah. Oh. yeah. So he'd already worked on some fan favorites. Anyways, 
Um, what, what was they saying? Oh yeah. Um, still a really great show. I think the only reason I give the last episode 3.5, I think I'm going to give this one 3.25. I think it's still a really good episode. I think, you know, again, uh, we're, we're introduced to some new characters who, and some new actors who I, you know, you instantly kind of fall in love with. The only reason I'm giving it a little bit of a knock is some of the writing does seem a little inconsistent. There are kind of some weird, like, I don't know. It's just not as smooth. And the last two episodes or the first two episodes, the writing was kind of top notch and very consistent. So I don't know. This feels like kind of a step down. So yeah, I'm going to say 3.25 for this. Still a really good score for this episode. I agree. 100%. Yeah, I definitely uh, left this episode like I could just go to the next one. Like, oh, oh, yeah. I'll just keep watching and yeah. notes. Like, I could just keep going. So, yeah. But then I was like, no, I really need to focus on these things. <laughs> it would not, not get myself distracted. Yeah. But, yeah, I totally could have just kept well, going. That's, that's one thing I'll, I'll say for this first season is it's very focused. And that's largely mm-hmm. just because, you know, it's six episodes. But obviously, they kind of wrote it as a co- uh, coherent story. There are no weird, like, side stories. There are no weird you know, things that you don't care about or, or, or uh, plot lines that just kind of disappear. I mean, granted, we're only three episodes in, but um, yeah. So, yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of reminds me of like, you know, I compare this to like the first season of Twin Peaks where it was a very solid <gasps> contained story. But uh, we'll, yeah, we'll see if, uh, see if season two, it suffers the same fate that season two of uh, Twin Peaks did. But anyways, that's far in the future. For the time being, we're going to call it a, a night for uh season three uh excuse me season one episode three of the walking dead tell it to the frogs that kind of concludes our coverage obviously next week we're gonna cover uh the next episode of the series and i don't have a clever i don't have a clever uh segue for this because uh, the name of the episode is Vatos, which I had to look up. Apparently, it means men or boys. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. So we'll find out. Uh, we'll we'll find out. I guess we'll separate the 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 boys from the Vatos. I don't know. Uh, I don't have anything <laughs> clever. Um. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I think that does it. Uh. Thanks for listening. I, uh, you know. I. I don't. I don't know. Like I said. Uh. I think on our last last episode, we're recording all of these before we actually launch the podcast. So I have no idea if anyone's listening yet, but if you are, thanks for listening. Uh, tune in next time, you know, leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast thing that will help us get uh, kind of more attention. And if you liked what you heard here, us talking about The Walking Dead, you can hear us talking even more about movies on our sister podcast, which is Video Store Junkies. You can go to videostorejunkies.com or you can just look up the Video Store Junkies on wherever you get podcasts and we should be on there and you can listen to us talk about uh, if you like zombies you can listen to us talk about the living dead movies and a bunch of other movies Re- me and renee and uh, some other some other bozos yeah <laughs> cool <laughs> all right well that's a good yeah time. thanks for listening and uh renee anything anything any final thoughts that's it great that's it bye yeah good night